Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Horror. I'm Lee. I'm Chris. I'm Adam. Yay. Uh, and we're here again, yet again remotely, uh, yet again in lockdown, uh, to cover Adam's birthday choice. <laughs> hey. Um, sneaky bastard did ask for two, but we'll cover that at the end of the episode. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, now, does that mean this is this is another one that you're not too keen on? Oh no, no. I, I, well, no, you mean... we'll we'll cover that. This mm. film I like. It, Vincent okay. Price. Yeah, well, that's it. I was thinking you probably would like it. Yeah, Daft as Buggery. This is yeah. This is one of my. Yeah. This is one. Of, you know when you're up late and you're drunk and you're like it's one o'clock mm. in the morning. I should know better and act my age and go to bed, but I'm not going to. I'm going to put a daft movie on. This is one of those daft <laughs> movies. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, and it's one of those ones that you stick on and then curiously get wrapped up in. Yeah. As well, do you know what I mean? <laughs> and then you watch Return of the Fly, and then everyone's like, what do you mean you didn't go to bed until 5 a.m.? How old are you? What you do you out. mean you were on your own drinking and watching The Fly, you idiot? Um <laughs> Yeah, yeah, but then we'll, we we should also come to Return of the Fly as well because mm. I having because I totally uh, immediate admission. So watched the Fly, and then the next night I did watch Return of the Fly because I was like, I've got them in a DVD box from about two thousand, and I realised that I probably watched Return of the Fly when I bought it, and that was it. So I was like, I've got to rewatch Return of the Fly, and I suspect that's where most people get the fly from, really. Yeah. Because it's a lot mm. more. Well, we'll get to it, but it's a lot more monster movie. Yeah. Than yeah, this I was going to mention kind of, yeah. some of that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we will be discussing the 1958 uh, Vincent Price of the Fly. Uh, but before we get to that, Adam. Have you seen anything horror in the last seven days? Well, apart from Ted doing a psychedelic yodel down Claire's cleavage. Yeah. Um, yeah, <laughs> which which is always a way to round off a Saturday. Um, <laughs> uh, actually, yes, I've watched loads of shit, not just Return of the Fly, which I'm considering that's part of the assignment for this week. Mm. Um, but, yeah, I watched, um, I got round to... I got the Arrow Blu-ray of Southland Tales, oh, which yeah. is not quite horror, horror Jason, definitely sci-fi. And again, from the director of Donnie Darko and oh, yeah. basically the film that then cripples his career. Um, but I, I still like it and find it a fascinating film. Hmm. And you've, and it's one, of, and it's just also so distractingly full of big name people. Yeah. That where it's obviously like, oh, this is the guy who's done Dumb Darko. Right, I want to be in this film. Mm. And then it's like half the cast of Saturday Night Live, um, <laughs> the bloke from American Pie, The Rock, um, Sarah Michelle Geller, and just, yeah, a distraction. Timberlake, Chris- I remember. It's the only thing Sorry? I remember about that film is Justin, Justin Timberlake just yes. turning on a song for no reason whatsoever. Yeah. And not even one of his own. Yeah. It was, yeah, mimes to the killers. But it's just, yeah, it is such a fucking bizarre film. And I know Chris is a, a Donnie Darko fan. Yeah. Uh, as indeed any right-minded person <laughs> should be. Um, but I wondered, have you ever seen it, Chris? No. 
no. Like I say, well, well worth checking out, but you will have to carve out Be basically prepared. two and a half hours. And there's the very distinct possibility you'll just go, what? <laughs> <laughs> But, um, but, it, but yeah, it needs to be seen. It does need to be seen, yeah, especially because, like I say, because it's um, Bridget Kelly who did Donnie Darko, mm. and it's also really good because it's it's weird because although uh, Dwayne Johnson being in it, it's kind of just before that was a big thing. Uh, okay, and it's so it's a, you know it seems quite natural that he's like, but he's actually not. Pl- he plays a very Best way I can describe it, he plays quite a Jack Burton sort of character in it. <laughs> you know, it's like he play he's meant to be an actor who plays t- like who's like a sort of army, like tough guy roles and stuff like that. Yeah. And actually he's just a bit of a coward and a bit of an idiot. And uh yeah, it's but it's really yeah, it's really bizarre. Very I watching it this time around, I suddenly thought this reminds me of Terry Gilliam. Mm. Whereas that same thing of like a weird future packed with ideas and packed with like just extended weird characters mm-hmm. that are sort of like, you know, it's like right, ev- everyone in this film is grotesque it, it, or is like a, so it is a character character rather than there's no normal people running around. Everyone is like a butting against each other <laughs> in it. And it, yeah. So from then, from there, I watched Extro, thanks to you, Chris. Mm. And oh my god, um, yeah, that is a fucking experience and a half. That <laughs> was just—it's someone I posted about it on Instagram, and someone said, "What was it? It was like a rare bit of British exploitation." And I sort mm. of see what they mean because it is—it's kind of like Roger Corbyn-y sort of, but like in EastEnders <laughs> and, and not just because Lou Bill gets knifed by a giant action man which is you know I mean it is it's also one of those films where I think I think if you were in um, to refer to uh, the Moss Eisley happy hour I think if you were like oh so what R2D2 can fly now mm. this film has nothing on that <laughs> where it's like you get you get to certain points and it's like right so so he can suck his blood but that gives him special powers okay but his special powers are, are being able to bring his toys to life and create panthers at will mm. and oh and his special power is he can do a scream that kills people but we'll only do that at the end and never tell you that he can do that <laughs> and yeah it's fucking balmy I loved it I really did because it's just, yeah, without a shadow of a doubt, it's a lot of very good ideas were put down and then someone said, well, we could make a film. (laughs) But no one at any point went, well, how do we link these? A piece of piss. I'm just writing on. It'll be fine. (laughs) So, yeah. Now, I'm trying to remember. You you said that um, it was me that motivated you to watch that. No, you you got it for me for Christmas, sir. Yeah. Oh, for Christmas! Oh. Yeah, you got me Night of the Creeps was, and Extro. Yes, and, I was thinking. Actually, yeah, I was thinking. I was, I was mixing it up with your birthday, but yeah, no, that's I right. I haven't watched. I haven't watched. Uh, no, I haven't watched that yet because, well, I think there's a distinct possibility that that will be on the show one day. 
so uh, yeah, I'm, okay. I'm sort of holding fire if that if that shows up. But um, but funnily enough, this is also and it's weird that you hit upon those two mm. because they're also ones that were I was inspired to want to see them by uh, not for everyone the not for everyone right, okay. Big oh, that's up. good. But Bobby and Adam go and listen to them, and <laughs> yeah, they're fantastic. But yeah, so was, so yeah, Night of the Creeps and Extra. So I hadn't heard of Extra before yeah. this. So yeah, okay, it and does look quite weird, interesting. Yeah, fucking, it's mad. It's weirdly gross. Mm. <laughs> um, it's like so it's inventively gross is <laughs> a, a way of putting it. <laughs> but also, yeah, just sodding insane. Mm. And but the best bit is as well is I just love the fact that they apparently at the time they marketed it as well. This is the British answer to ET, mm. <laughs> and, uh, and and I kind of see it if you yeah. think about the two countries in 1982. So you've got like ET where it's all love mm. and kindness and friendship and blah blah blah, <laughs> um, and then Extra turns up and. Yeah, women give birth to fully grown men, and yeah, it's uh, it's just grimy and gruesome, and, and it's like yeah, and so I it's just like love the a fact night, that nightmare that's... version of ET. Yeah, it's like the anti ET. Yeah. So, but yeah, so that that is brilliant. Um, cut uh, short one. This I rewatched the original Quiet Mass in the Pit just because it's fucking brilliant. And got it on Blu-ray, and oh my Christ, parts of it look like it was filmed today. Wow. It's so crisp, and you're like, but this is from like 1950, I think it's like 59. Mm. And and the best bit is, is on a, apparently on the Blu-ray, there's interviews with people in the film, in, in, in the production. I'm like, who? <laughs> I don't think anyone can be alive who's in the cast of this. You know, because it's such a long time ago but yeah that is again i mean i love the hammer version but that's definitely the the one i really adore and the black and whiteness of it is something that really adds to it i think it just mm. sort of all, all the all the monstrousness is quite uh not hidden but obscured by the darkness and everything and it looks yeah um and uh, rolling up, I, uh, ending up, I uh, watched Saint Maud, which only came out last year, and that is a definite fucking recommend. Um, a lot of people have said uh, a lot of people have said about the witch, and a lot of people have said sort of like the lighthouse or something like that, where they, I think where they're trying to find a really a dark song. If it was more mm. widely known, that would be impression I got from the track because Darny saw it uh, when mm. it was out uh, when it was doing the film festival circuit uh, and texted me literally as he was walking out of the screen and going, "You need to find this film as soon as it's available and watch it." Um, yeah, so no, he did much the same to me as well. So well <laughs> done, Darny, because it is it is brilliant, but it does occupy that same sort of weird thing that a dark song's got, you know. And this is, I mean, it's, it, it's actually within the film they talk about William Blake. Mm. And it's that same thing that a dark song gets right of, like, magical realism. Yeah. Where nothing feels 
outside of the realms of reality, even when they're like, it's gold showering from the ceiling or giant Roman gods and things, you know, goddesses and stuff like that. And this does a very good version of it, but it's basically, you know, when you read historical tales about um, uh, saints and nuns where they're sort of like, they go into religious ecstasies and uh, become, you know, suddenly they'll only start eating gravel and die and stuff like that. And it's very, it's in that sort of a vein, but it's updated. Mm. So it's kind because all you ever hear when you read back those things, you're just like, yeah, I think they had, you know, a, a serious psychotic break or some form of, you know, hallucinogenic mental illness mm. and but and so it kind of flirts in those areas but it's just so well done and it's one of those ones where it will just leave you sort of it leaves you it will stick with you a long uh, a, a few days afterwards but i think everything about it is just pitched right mm. so everything is you it's basically readable completely as um someone who has you know who, who is experiencing a psychotic episode and is getting raptures in that sense or it could, could very well be this is someone being reached by god hmm. to uh, who's showing them the way um not to give too much away because yeah it's really one worth seeing oddly humorous in its own sort of really weird way but the but the but the two like main characters in it is a, a care it's a home carer um and uh, the woman a woman dying of terminal cancer who she's um who she's been sent to care for hmm. but they sort of they're so both characters are so brilliantly played and brilliantly written that there is it's they are very human where it's like at parts you think what the fuck are you doing and at other points you feel sorry for them yeah and you know everything sort of everything works on that level but it also does have like a quite a nice little vein of humor it knows of the parts of this that would be absurd mm. especially to other people and um but yeah it's really yeah definitely one worth worth checking out mm. oh and yeah. and remarkably brief as well. I think it's an hour and twenty seven minutes. Okay. Which again, when you've got something that, which is nice when you've got something with slow build. Yeah. But it executes it within that time frame very well, rather than oh well, if we're going to do slow build, well we'll we'll do an hour of like nothing. Yeah. <laughs> and you're like, yeah, half an hour of nothing maybe, yes. but this you know this gets this gets to the point pretty swiftly. Um, but yeah, yeah, definitely worth checking out. Fantastic. I should be on the case for that one. Uh, is that you all up to date, Adam? No, oh, sorry, yes. And that's oh. all the weather. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Good um, stuff. Chris. Yeah, so so this week I've been sent uh, links to a, a YouTuber called Daz Black. I think his YouTube account is like Daz Games. Um, and essentially, he just he plays tons of computer games, and lots of them seem to be horror games. Uh, I didn't realise there were this many horror games available, but 
Um, I can't say I've massively kept up with gaming over the years, the sort of past, you know, five years or so. But and especially, um, so I, I watch loads of these. They're sort of fairly short clips, and uh, you know, I can kind of watch them in between work a bit without mm. focusing too much. But and so, I mean, he's quite funny the way he responds in it. You know, there's, there's a lot of um, humour and him getting very scared and. <laughs> It's, it's you know it's quite quite entertaining, but um, one in particular stood out, and I'm wish well I'm, I may see if I can get it um, to try because it does, it was quite fascinating really. So it was a a demo. Um, I think it was meant to be uh, like a teaser for a Silent Hill game, and so it was by it was on the PlayStation Four, and um, it's called PT. And in it, you, you're in a house and you sort of wake up and you're working your way through the house. But then as you get to a certain point, it loops back around. So you start again almost completely, which is an, quite an unusual concept for a game. And yeah. Essentially a film. But it's, and it's, it's quite fascinating. Unless you're rubbish like me. Uh, well, possibly, yeah, you die, you start <laughs> again. Right? But, but yeah, so quickly. But, but what happens is every you have to figure out what puzzle to solve in that sort of loop. And when you solve it, then it changes slightly in the next one. And so it's quite oh. surreal as you sort of work your way through and you keep going back round, but it keeps changing and getting scarier and, you know, and certain events happen. So, it's, yeah, it's quite impressive. Um, really cool. And it, it turned out, I didn't realise, but it says that it was, um, I think, directed by Guillermo del Toro. Oh, really? Yeah. Which I wouldn't have recognised his name previously to us doing this <laughs> podcast. So, you know, that, that was good. Um, yeah, I think, oh, in combination with Hideo Kojima. So I'm not sure who that is. Um, but yeah, so it's quite an unusual thing. So I'm going to see if I can get hold of it to have a go. Excellent. Yeah. Sounds good. Yeah, you must report back. We'll, we'll, yeah. do, we'll, do, we'll, we'll do a horror games episode. Oh, I would yeah. definitely be up but for that. Uh, uh, which I can tell you that I will be able to tell you every experience of that first room, every <laughs> fucking pixel, yeah. every glitch in the system. But believe me, uh, I won't be telling you. Well, it's great when you get to that third ending. What? <laughs> um, I'm going to keep it brief this week as I have watched nothing. I <gasps> um, Is that because you've been having fun with your house? Uh, yes, I've been restoring everything yeah. to normal from the flood we had last weekend. Um, so lots of fun stuff like putting up mm. lino and moving fridges and freezers. <laughs> Yay, the fun. Um, and nice once first... it's done. Isn't, but... it, is, isn't that so much better when they're full? <laughs> oh, it's worrying that like... Yeah, I won't get into it. But it's funny when you've got one of those massive freezers and whenever you get stuff delivered, you can't find room for anything. And then when you mm. actually have to take all the shelves out to move it and you go, this is just 20 different containers full of the same thing. There's like 40 lots of two slices of bread. Mm. And you know, <laughs> every time we do chicken soup, we make, you know, six portions and we only eat four. So we put two away, but then we never go back and eat them. We just make more chicken soup. So we've just got a freezer <laughs> full of oh, nonsense. Um, but yeah, that's slightly off topic. Uh, so I've been doing that and I've been reading some horror stuff, but I'll report back on that once I've got a bit further. Um, oh. Yeah, and playing games, but non-horror related. So I shan't bore you with that. Mm. Um, 
So we can get on to Adam's birthday choice. Happy birthday, Adam. Happy birthday. I thank you. Oh, and that reminds me, Ketterick. I've been rewatching Ketterick. Um, oh, nice. Uh, yes. So the original, The Fly. I want to say the black and white, The Fly, because in my head, this is you definitely didn't. a black and white film. I've seen it half a dozen times. It's in bloody colour. I put it on. I was like, that's not right. This is definitely black and white, but it is. I've got two versions color. of it and they're both in colour. So God knows. It's because Return of the Flight is in black and white. Uh, yes. It's a really weird thing that's... because there's also, I, it was only reading because I'd heard the name. I didn't even realise it was part of this. There is a curse of the fly as well. Mm. I've which, not seen it, I don't believe. Well, the, the, the interesting thing is, is when I was uh, sort of just looking through, apparently Curse of the Fly was never released on like home media till about 2007. Oh, really? So I reckon that's probably why, because I've never seen it. And I think it probably is that, you know, it's been, it, it was never on video or anything like that. So, yeah, maybe. But yeah, that something did come up on one of the things where, again, when I was looking into the, the, the fly, um, there was a thing with a lot of people think the fly is in black and white. It's probably because of Return of the Fly is in black and white, or they watched it on a black and white television, which were quite uh, common yeah. in the 80s. And you I know, also thought that too. Yeah. But the best bit was at the bottom of it, they just had, it's, it's my old favourite, you know how much this cheer, I love to see it. They said, other people attribute this to the Mandela effect. Oh. Piss really? off. <laughs> You're not smart enough to have, you're not better than anyone else. You haven't, you haven't spotted a glitch in the fucking matrix. You just remembered it wrong. Sorry, mate. The also, human brain is fallible. Also, to be fair, if you go onto IMDb and you go onto the photo gallery, all the photos on the first mm. page are all black and white photos. That definitely wouldn't have dissuaded me from my belief. Exactly. Well, this is the thing: is half the I don't think because uh, believe me, obviously because we've got you know producing the cover for this episode i've been looking for a decent fucking picture of the fly can you in color fucking none <laughs> all of them are just like a blurred mess like even the ones from this even the ones like from the studio the black and white ones are pretty nice they're pretty crisp and good but yeah yeah all the color ones are just like just a splodge they're, they're like a rorschach test and <laughs> So, but yeah, I think it is also, and again, re returning to Return of the Fly, that's something else that I think helps Return of the Fly is it feels more monster movie mm. because it's in black and white. Yeah. And I think, yeah, and this is the sort of, and I think in your head, this is the sort of film that would be in black and white. You know, I mean, it's a, it's a Vincent Price film from the 50s. So immediately you've, your brain's gone House on Haunted Hill. So immediately you're on Grayscale. You know, exactly. You're not the Tingler, like all the ones that yeah. came out in, the, in this period were all, all the black and white ones. So, yeah, I think mm. it's, yeah, it just totally threw me when the, the Searchlight logo came on. And I was like, what? What? Yeah. Has somebody colorized this? It's also a bit weird when you sort of, um, 
again, don't, uh, because we've been doing Moss Eisley Happy Hour, it was very weird to hear that full 20th Century Fox intro and for mm. it to not then go, because <laughs> in my head, that is that was only Star Wars. Goes, I yeah. When I saw Star Wars, I hadn't seen any other. Mm-hmm. Any film older than that or anything like that. So, yeah, in my head, it's that's the Star Wars 20th Century Fox logo. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah. I th- so, Chris, as this is your first viewing, what did you make of it? Yeah, so as you can imagine, <laughs> starting off, I was thinking, so uh, right, the flyer in my head is the David Cronenberg flyer. Now, I haven't yeah. seen that that much, and it's possible that I've actually seen The Fly 2 more than the original Flyer. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, so, so you know, starting off, I'm thinking, oh, is this going to be good? And it's 1958. Uh, you know, occasionally I have issues with older films. I didn't know whether it would fall into that, the bad category for me. But, but anyway, it's not, and it was, it was so charming to start with. And, Vincent Price and I'm thinking oh, you know that's great I'm looking forward to that and he was just so he's just so great throughout um, and so yeah overall I, it, I think it was a great film and I did really enjoy it um, I was a bit upset that he put his cat in the, the <laughs> transport <up>. yeah <laughs> that seemed a little bit harsh but you know crazy scientist just be a dick move <laughs> yeah. Okay, yeah he's like you haven't tested it on anything else mm, okay but what so, bit on a plate it went wrong words. I'm going to stick the, the cat in there da- Dandlo <laughs> Dandelow, that was it. Yeah, yeah. The, not, yeah. not very Dandelow oh, anymore. And again, yeah. Where where'd you get that name from, mate? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so you know, it was good. I, I suppose, um, yeah. I think as you were alluding to, it, um, there's not that much monster horror action in it. No. Really, it's it's more of a psychological messed up concept, especially and uh, and I. Uh, Possibly slightly, unfortunately, one of the other bits that I wasn't too sure about is when he kills the flyer. It it felt just a little bit sudden for me. When he, uh, well, so skip skip to the end. When it's, the, uh, the inspector, yeah, 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 like that was just a l- little bit off for me. So I sort of enjoyed so much of the rest of it, and then somehow I, I just felt like um, I don't know. I guess I, I was sort of hoping for a happy ending, but that's not to what? be really when you've got a fly with a human head and <laughs> <laughs> but it felt a bit like look why are you you letting him get eaten by the spider like you should jump in quickly and save him and and then instead they just battered him <laughs> like, yeah oh, poor little fly man i mean but he was an explorer mm. <laughs> and he's now exploring the elementary canal of the spider yeah. <laughs> um, Vincent Price in this in a rare good guy role. Yeah, or... well that's it. So I guess that yeah. was a shock as well. Uh, yeah, mm. I mean because he is always very charming, no matter what role he's playing, and he's you can watch him endlessly, really. Um, yeah. But yeah, no, it was funny that he was just a good guy throughout. Mm. Jennifer was um, was actually very put out. We we put this on. We got about ten minutes in, and she literally turned to me and said, "You've never shown me this before." <laughs> I was like, "Huh?" <laughs> She was like, I've never seen this before. This is really mm. good. Why have I not seen this before? I was like, I, I don't know. I didn't want to say it. it's my late night drunk film. So I just kind of went, eh. oh, yeah. 
It is. It is very watchable. And really, I think it held up fantastically. Like It did not seem anywhere near as dated as I would have expected. Mm. Um, mm. Like, I like, you know, the story. Obviously, it's a good bit of sci-fi as well. You know, it's, um, he's trying to build a, a transporter. Um, well, and... Disintegrator, reintegrator. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. That has got to change. That's where you need <laughs> yeah. guys to come in and give it a better, better name, I think. Yeah, definitely. But uh, I mean, even down to that, when they're explaining, when he's explaining the concept mm. of, uh, and it, and it would, you know, essentially, if you built a teleporter, at the moment, it's basically the theory now currently would be that the most workable version is basically you have a, th- you are scanned in your entirety, mm. and essentially a. Th- 3D printer at the other end builds you back up. Hmm. So you wouldn't necessarily be you because it's... It's all different atoms. It's a copy, yeah, yeah, made up of the materials that are at that end. Yeah. But still, I think when he's sort of saying about it is because he's talking about like information through the radio, through the television. Mm. And later on, people would refer to it in the way of like being like a fax. Uh, but I think, yeah, it's that's. Although I also do keep getting battered a lot with stuff online about. Um, you do realise that all your cells replenish themselves after Every seven three years, years or, or twenty-eight yeah. days or something like that, mm. and so none of you is actually the it's original you. you that you started <laughs> off with, and it's like, well, I suppose that sort of nullifies <laughs> the argument of whether you want to be, you know, three D printed at another end. Yeah. So. Now, not to get into the scientific argument about it, but I have heard that story time and time again. And my answer, that my question that I keep coming up with is, how have I still got tw- tattoos 22 years after I had them put on my body that's still exactly where they... If, if all my body has been completely destroyed and rebuilt, why is it held onto that ink? Compare it to a picture of a I'm sorry? Tattoos bleed, don't they, and spread. So if you compare that tattoo... So when you first got it down, it, it's it not exactly different? the same. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Our scientific, but, but I, my scientific advisor stepped in on this one. Yeah, yeah. No, I, like I get that. That is true. They like they do bleed. But I get you're that. saying they should that's, disappear completely. Yeah, so that's why completely. they would find. Yeah, yeah. Who knows? I mean, the, the interesting thing is you go through and you find out that everything's backwards. Like when he gets the the ashtray mm-hmm. uh, yes. go through with uh, made in Japan backwards, <laughs> and I did ha- I did have to quote Nursey from Blackadder's Christmas Carol. Oh, lovely an ashtray! <laughs> but I think um, the yeah, go on, man. No, no, after you. Well, it, but yeah, I like that the science could kind of you know thought has gone into it it's not mm. just like oh yes well we press the thingamajig and then uh, that runs you through the bitlamabob and you come out the other end uh, at least there's you know something that f- even if it's even if it does turn out to be absolute bollocks mm. you know as I am not a, a you know a, I'm not a, a physics major shall we say um, and I think there this would be a fairly still... niche, niche part of physics yeah <laughs> That's very true, yeah. You see, I don't think enough people are trying it. <laughs> Especially, yeah, but the... Also, technically, you could have a backup disc. 
as well. So every time you get sent through, get a copy kept. And then if you get something nasty, mm. or even if you just experience something nasty, you know, you can sort of like say, no, I'll go back to the 15th, please. Like Windows Restore. I'll go back to yeah. that bit when everything was still all right. Unfortunately, you also have to operate yourself in safe mode with no genitals. <laughs> and like, no, no fingerprints. <laughs> I you thought it was quite funny that um, he was hoping that if he went back through with the flyer, it would just sort himself out again. Yeah, like, mm, just, yeah that's that's right. a bit of a long shot, I think. But yeah, because it could because it quiet. could go quite quite another way. Yeah, you know, suddenly you come out and it's like, oh well, I've got human tits, but the rest of me's a fly, or you know, sort of like suddenly come out with a fly's wang or something like. You know, it's just. And let's be fair, yeah. it's not that unfortunate. He's got a fly's face, but he hasn't got a fly's head because it's still his brain in there. Yeah. He isn't yeah. like a fly yet. So he's doing all but, right. I mean, but the fly is also then because. So do we presume that the fly wasn't, it still had a fly brain and it's slowly transferring? It could be it had a little bit of his brain. Because mm. the fact that it, it was sort of hanging no, I around, just, I just mean because because obviously at the end the fly with his head, yeah, acts like him, acts as a human. So have they gradually bled across, yeah. or is it just, yeah, or is it just some sort of you know it's a speciesist arrogance <laughs> of uh, t- typical of his generation, and um, <laughs> you know that it was like oh well obviously the human would come out on top of this one even with a big old claw. <laughs> Incidentally, the claw reveal is one of my favourite mm. double takes in comic in cinema history. When the claw comes out of the pocket and she screams and then he looks down and looks again and then puts it back in his pocket. <laughs> I genuinely love that bit. <laughs> I think the fly mask's pretty good. I was going to say, for 1958, that fly mask, like just the way that Proboscis kind of like fuzzes around like it's sort mm. of vibrates. Yeah. It sort of chitters. Yeah. Yeah. And the eyes just, I mean, as you say, it, it obviously it doesn't look like a fly and it looks kind of hokey now, but it still looks brilliantly made. I mean, those mm. eyes look fantastic. It's so cool. It's really, I think also probably where it's, where it's in colour, they've just really, they've really created such a dark mask. Mm that it covers its own flaws, flaws yeah. in a way. Um, but yeah, it really does. Because, I, I mean, the claw's great as well. But yeah. yeah, it does come out very sort of... Um, and, and funnily enough, that's the other thing it led me to think about, was is this the first lab coat monster? Mm. Which is something you get a lot in superhero stuff. Yeah. You know, where it's like sort of someone, like a scientist bollocks up and then becomes a monster mm-hmm. and which obviously well, is, isn't um, Jekyll and Hyde initially, Bruce, Bruce but... Banner as well he's mm. a bit of a scientist well, I was also thinking is it there's a spider I don't know if he's been in any of the yeah. like, live action films but there's a spider-man vil- villain called the lizard mm, yeah who is just a, a giant iguana in a lab coat mm. <laughs> And it is kind of like a, a, it's kind of a look that does tend to crop up a lot in sort of like superhero villains and things like that, where they're like, because everyone's a scientist. Their experiments a have gone wrong or Don't right. Tell David Icke. 
<laughs> well, that's true. Because <laughs> you know, it just be it just be because that's what's going to happen one day. Someone's just going to go up to him in a mask, yeah. and he'll he'll switch them a look that says, "At last, mm. you reveal <laughs> yourselves." <laughs> Um, I've got to say, one thing I did really like, and although I didn't like the way he killed the flyer, um, mm. I did love the fact that it sent him on that philosophical dilemma of, um, as Vincent Price put to him, you know, you've killed a fly with a human head. Does that make you a killer? And he's like, oh, yeah. my, my world is just, you know, yeah. gone upside down. You know, as you say, I think that's why it had to be that way. As you say, it might be yeah. a little bit clumsy, but uh, it, in order yeah. for, the, for the cop to, to realize, The conclusion of it, yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, it was fantastic. I like and the, the start of it being a, a you know a crime mystery. I thought that was really good. Yeah, I'd forgotten quite how much of that mm. runs through it. Yeah, because you've got the initial mystery is them trying to find out what's happened to uh, yeah. the husband, and then the flashback is then about her trying to uncover what's really happened to him. Mm. Uh, once he's been uh, transmogrified by it. <laughs> I did have to laugh. That pot's a poor Vincent Price. So the cop turns up and basically says, oh, so she's murdered your brother. Oh, okay. I think you should take this kid home with you. Yeah. And then, which I You was... don't mean Philippe. Philippe. What are we going to tell Philippe? <laughs> Sorry. So again, it's like, I get it's Quebec... But they all speak perfect <laughs> English, but they've all got French names. Yeah. I let it pass, it's fine. Yeah. Um, well, of course, I am Francois. Francois, that's Francois it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so the very first time that he goes to see her while she's obviously still kind of under house arrest but being looked after, mm. uh, yeah, and Vincent Price turns up and she says to him, Oh, you look tired. And I was like, I should have said, yeah, because I'm looking after your fucking kid. Where have you been, you lazy bitch, sitting in bed pretending you don't know who he is? No wonder he's tired. <laughs> Melt. Not only that, but also it's also, it's also you, can, you can just... Vincent Price gives the most amazing your arsehole dropping out reaction <laughs> when she then says, how long does a fly live mm. after the kid's been saying <laughs> yeah. it to him? And his reaction is just... It's absolutely perfect. It's the right, but it is just like a proper. Oh, oh, that's made me not go funny. That is. No, <laughs> that's not. Don't want to know about that. One of the ones where you tense up everywhere. Yeah, you sort of go, oh Christ, oh Christ, why, why, why do you, why, why do you say that? As you try and claw your voice back from like falsetto. <laughs> what? Why? Why? Why do you want to know that then? So <laughs> I, th I think that's the thing. I think that's why this it, it, for everybody, including me. Like when you think of the Vincent Price movies, the fly always comes up. But he's he's a, he's a, effectively a supporting character in the story of this. Mm. Um, like it's mainly about the doctor and his wife, and he's just a kind of a back, not a background character. I mean, he's probably got 15, 20 minutes of screen time in the film. Um, but yeah, he, he, well, he just he, dominates he... the entire. When you look back at it, all you think is what a fantastic performance yeah. he gives. And as Chris said, how charming mm. he is. That's what you mm. remember. See, it's curious because it's charming, but on a gentleman rather than a bastard. Yeah. So it's like you just yeah. sort of sit there and it's like, oh, yeah. You it's know, it's, I it's think, a I think... kind of a subtle difference, but it's 
it's profound. Yeah, <laughs> you, you you know Philippe's going to be all right. Mm. Do you know what I mean? He's not going to lock him in a cupboard and feed him dog food. You know, he's <laughs> probably, he will actually be. Because apparently, I've I've not read it. I was trying to. I'll be honest. I was trying to find it online. Um, this is based on a short story by George Langalan, 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 something like that. Um, and apparently, the apparently at the end of that, um, the wife kills herself. So they were like, "Oh, you can't have that in a film, you know. That's a bit upsetting." But it still is, like you say, Chris. It's still quite a sort of numb ending. That it's like sort of, "Oh yeah, yeah." We had to. He started getting a bit more fly. He was asking me for plates of dog shit and everything, and we've had to put him in the press. And then the tiny tipex fly <laughs> turns out to be going. <laughs> and the best, the best bit was, is I watched this with Claire and. The laughter of recognition for Claire to finally hear that after living with me for <laughs> seven odd years, and every so often just hearing that, um, and I was sort of pleased. I was, I was pleased that she said that I did it very well. So I was, yeah, <laughs> I, I felt I felt a sense of pride there. That's a skill to go on your CV. <laughs> oh yes, can can do panicking fly. <laughs> so I'll list it in accents, you know, it's like uh, urban Scottish, Highland Scottish, panicking fly, panicking Skywalker. Um, <laughs> but like, obviously, and, and actually that's the best bit as well, it's like you're saying about with all the Quebec act, sort of like everyone's just doing their normal accent, no one's trying to do a French-Canadian accent or anything else like that. And then when Andre appears... And he's almost like he's fast talking, like he's going to sell you some insurance, but also he'll sell you this button because I'll tell you about this button when it does. And he's just so, like, <laughs> so American that it's, yeah, I, I, yeah. But, um, but that guy um, uh, is an actor called David Hedison. But in this, he's, uh, he's credited as Al Hedison because his full name is Albert David Hedison. Um, he's Jodie Foster's father-in-law, mm. ah. and he only died. He only died quite recently. He died in um, 2019. Wow. So, and he'd sort of been working pretty much up to that point. But his, um, yeah, and his his daughter's married to uh, Jodie Foster. Um, but he is, um, he's in James Bond. There's a character called Felix Leiter. Um, who is his CIA, who's Bond's CIA contact. Mm -hmm. And David Hedison was the first person who played the character twice. Oh. Because always with Bond films, it's always like, oh, we'll get that actor in to play that part. We're getting back for the next one? Nah, fuck that. <laughs> I mean, let's face it, it eventually becomes that with Bond. But yeah, yeah literally those, those sort of early, like the Connery and uh, particularly the Connery Bond films are very like, Oh well, what about um, why don't we get uh, Charles Gray to play Blofeld? Didn't we kill him? And he was playing a not a, a, a good guy ambassador in like the previous one. That doesn't matter. Don't worry, it'll be <laughs> fine. He can play Blofeld now. Um, and he does, but yeah, and but so he played uh, Fink's lighter in Live and Let Die and License to Kill, 
And uh, he was also the captain in Voyage to the Bottom of the Sea, which is another very 50s um, piece of like cult television mm. that just used to be on Channel 4 on a Sunday, seemingly yeah. forever. I think I might have seen it. <laughs> Yeah, it was like it was it was basically the fifties Sequest DSB. Mm. <laughs> um. Yeah, I was going to say actually for for Chris, um, I don't know if this is something we've actually discussed previously. So in in the the fifties, there was quite a dropout of horror because mm. sci-fi mm. was suddenly made, yeah okay, which is why this feels more sci-fi than yeah. horror perhaps. Uh, this is where all the studios were going. For it was fairly short lived; mm. it only lasted for a decade or so. Mm. Um, but yeah, so the a lot of the quote unquote horror films of that this period do feel kind of horror sci fi more than you'd possibly. Expect. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, it's only really it's only really Corman and William Castle who are doing more traditional. With, yeah, okay. Uh, stuff at this point, and Corman just does everything. You know, sex comedies, sci-fi, horror, mm. he don't care. Drag race movies, that's the big big one this week. Right, Get make three of them by Wednesday. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, yeah, and I think it's, again, it's that whole thing where it's like atomic age America. Yeah. Mm. So, like, in the 50s, everything was, so, like, that's why you have cars that look like rockets. Mm. Everything but, was the space age. I suppose, you know? like, the science... Um, as it was coming about, some of this technology could be either horrific, just the idea of some of it, or or um, miraculous. I mean, he he called this a miracle, didn't he? Yeah, and, and it would well, be. I mean, if... It's how you again. It's like most technology; it's just how it's used. Absolutely, yeah. And but it can done. be so easily marketed as awful or fantastic, like depending on you know if you think it's it going to was... end the world or. Or say yeah, it was quite a nice. It was quite a nice thing to because I I think I think it's um, I'm fairly sure it's I can't what's it bloody name. I'm sure it's um, Patricia Owens. It's Helene. Yeah, who, yeah. Who mentions it at some point? But she's like, I'm really scared because we live in an age that seems to be moving so fast. Mm. Yeah, and it's like that's things you hear nowadays. That's something you hear nowadays. And it's like, yeah. oh, you know, the, the ability to communicate and everything else like that. And then you look back at this and it's people who are saying, yeah, kind of certainly within my, my parents' lifetime, people fly, mm. you know, and sort of stuff like that. And you're like, yeah, actually that, that sort of puts it a bit in perspective Yeah, when sort of, people say, oh, you know, this things a bit, it's like, no, basically, you've just got a telly on your phone and people are broadcasting all the time. That's that's what's changed. Whereas then it was like, no, this is actual, you know, significant fucking, you know. Well, oh, yeah, TV the atomic bomb, the space race, mm. they're all sort of like, yeah. They're much more dramatic. Um, unfortunately, the space race goes nowhere, but it's... Mm. Which is ironic because there's loads of it. That's why it's called space. <laughs> Tons of it there is. I thought it was funny. Didn't uh, Francois Vincent Price say, "Oh, what's he invented? Like flat screen 
Uh, yeah, that might be lovely. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's like, because there's still quite a long time to go for that. But yeah, it's interesting that at that point, <laughs> that was something that they were looking forward to potentially. Yeah. Well, it also there's because there's an interesting thing because when you get to Return of the Fly, they're basically saying like the company's gone downhill. Mm. But when you sat behind a desk going, "Well, I have, we have more money than we know what to do with," you're <laughs> yeah. like. Losing my sympathy here, Vince. I'll be honest, <laughs> mate. You know, this doesn't. It's not feeling like a romance. This is feeling like, yeah, you get what you deserve, you rich bastard. <laughs> You're sitting there going, "That's what you get for going to Dubai." Yeah. <laughs> but also, and I don't know if you if you spotted it or not, Lee. Um, but uh, along Kathleen with Freeman. Yes. Yes, I the did. The penguin. Yes. Yes, I knew her from that. So I. I tried not to cheat, so I remember as the penguin. Yeah, I remember as the teacher. So for Chris, because I still think he hasn't seen it, that is the nun from uh, the Blues Brothers. Yes, oh, okay. and Mary Stigmata. Mm-hmm. I also remember her as the teacher from Hocus Pocus. Yeah, uh, and she's also the woman doing the Chef's TV show in Gremlins Two. Yeah, <laughs> microwave March. <laughs> <laughs> yep, yeah, and she's in Naked Gun 33 and a third. She's she's in something called The Willies, which was an anthology film I've not heard about. And apparently it's it's like two halves, mm. basically. So it's two stories and a wraparound. But yeah, she's in that, and it's like sounds like it's like a um a bit like say the original intention of creep show mm. or uh, uh the monster club in that it's one for younger like for a younger audience oh, okay. but yeah it's called the willies mm. and i mean let's face it you're not gonna you're, you're not gonna want to google it i was just you know, about take, to say i'm gonna look that up right now take a circumnavigatory path you know look up look up the blues brothers on amazon then <laughs> who's in this film? Kathleen Freeman. What other films has she done? <laughs> yeah. Much in the same way as that time that there is a band called the Dickies. And I really regret Googling their <laughs> album cover. Because yeah, I just wanted a picture of the band. And you know, you got more than you bargained there for. were a few cumberbuns, but basically, yeah. <laughs> Don't Google Dickies. No. Also, apparently, she's Peg's mum in Married with Children, which I don't remember at all, to be honest. Oh, no, do I? I yeah. really I'm, I'm, I'm sure I, yeah, I was going to say, I'm sure I watched it. Well, she's in Cold Chap and Batman, and yeah. But yeah, no, I think that, that was just a great moment, especially, especially as you feel that if you want to do the connected world of horror, like League of Extraordinary Gentlemen version of horror, that it's like, well, it's this that made her take religious orders. <laughs> You know, it was the, it was de- dealing with the dealing with the fly. You know, also the woman who plays the nurse, Betty Lou Gerson, um, is the voice of Cruella Deville in 101 Dalmatians. Really? Yeah. Awesome. And the narrator of Cinderella. So you know, wow. There's there's some quite it's quite a connected film. Yeah, is the best way I can put it. You know, there's there's quite it links up with a lot of. Sort of big stuff along the way. Mm. 
I mean, the because uh, <coughs> the director, Kurt Neumann, this was his biggest hit, but unfortunately he died just before it came out. Oh, no. That's true. But, but he'd sort of done, he'd done a lot of similar, like we were saying, like the, those sort of sci-fi mm. uh, dramas that were coming out in the 50s. He did more of that sort of thing. So I can, I, I mean, I can see why this, um, but interesting enough, the two of the films he did were called The Ring and Machete. But neither of them are prequels or sort of pre to the films that we know, the films that we know later on. I can't imagine a 1950s version of Machete somehow. It doesn't mean true. You just messed with the wrong Mexican. <laughs> and also, that this is something that happened while I was watching this film, never noticed it before. I don't know if it's something that anyone else noticed, but by Christ, you'll notice it next time you watch. There's a bit, just before all the shit really kicks off and Andre's having a relax in the garden and uh, Helene comes in, she waves. And um, I thought it was the kid because he is sitting in the biggest yeah, fucking yeah, chair I've yeah. ever seen. Yeah. yeah. I was like... That did look really hard. But it was it's like a hood or something you can pull over yourself, I think. Yeah, it's like but it's just like this huge, huge chest to the point of looking weird. Yeah. And actually this funny enough, it's something that comes up in Return of the Fly is that one during one of their first transmissions, they make a uh, they make a lab rat giant. Uh, like they make a giant lab rat. Uh, merely by putting the same rat into a very much smaller version of the booth <laughs> and filming it from a high angle. It's very cheap. It's wonderfully done. But um, yeah, the uh, so and that that leads to just Vincent Price going, We didn't foresee that. Gigantism. <laughs> no, not even gigantism. Giantism, that's it. Giantism. <laughs> um, so, you know, there is the element where it's like, has he been through a couple of times and shrunk himself? <laughs> you know, that's all that's happened. But I think that, um, yeah, it, next time, just check it out. It's the fucking biggest chair I've ever seen in my life. I can't even imagine. I, there's a part of me that thought maybe it's for Vincent because he's a big lad and he's definitely the biggest fella in the film. Yeah. And, but even he, I feel, would look like a toddler swinging their legs in this <laughs> like insanely big contraption. And uh, yeah, that held me in good stead for, for pretty much the rest of the film at that point. I was just obsessed with his long chair. See, the so. bit that got me was the bit when they're chasing the white-headed fly around the living room and it finds mm. that tiny hole in the window and escapes and oh, I was like oh yeah. right now if you've ever had a fly in your house and you throw all the doors and windows open won't go near them nowhere near them there's no way it'd find that tiny little hole in the glass and just sneak off out you can't get a fly out of your house for love nor money it's nonsense well this is also the thing is that there would would this be more realistic if when he tries to go through the window he just sort of batters against, batters his head against it like three or four thousand times because he can't actually work it out. Because that 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 actually, in Return of the Fly, at one point he breaks into the house, like at the the fly breaks into the house, and it's like, no, you would not find that sash. 
you'd have just been. Plus, plus the fact I've also, and I think I got the right term for it, but the fact that people are sleeping in that house while essentially what sounds like someone deep frying a car battery <laughs> keeps going off yeah. every few sort of minutes, you know, and it's like, I've actually no idea what he's doing down there. Yeah, but I think to ask at that point. I also love the fact that the transport has got a microwave ping on it as well. <laughs> it's like, tick, 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 bing. And at that point, I don't feel it's big scientific equipment anymore. <laughs> no. I always wonder with these things, you know, it's the same with Frankenstein and stuff like that. But I go, oh, he's been locked in that lab. I haven't seen him in three weeks. And it's like, what, he's sleeping on the floor? Like, don't get me wrong. I know he's working every hour he can. At some point, he's coming out of there to go to bed Use the bathroom, like you know. Well, yeah, you would. Yeah, well, yeah. See, this is the thing. You're saying sleeping on the floor. I'm thinking shitting in the corner, dirty bastards. <laughs> mm. Well, that give him something to come back to when he's a fly. He'd be all right. Yeah, yeah. that's a little treat but for in, later. In, in many ways, would you not form a symbiotic relationship with the human head fly and the head fly human? Of you just keep having a crap and letting him have a nibble. <laughs> so I don't know. Although I have told Claire that at any point she may receive a message that she is to bring me a salsa filled mm -hmm. with milk and rum. Yeah. <laughs> Jennifer has had that message. I've never been parked by. <laughs> <laughs> um, now I've got to ask, how does the fly come back? Or at least why, why is it a fly again as a sequel? Well, like why do they keep making the fly mistake? It's, well, it's quite interesting. Like I say, I've not seen Curse of the Fly, and it mm. sounds like it's a bit sort of like really money for old rope. Okay. But Return of the Fly literally came out the year after. Mm. So it's 1959. Um, they were meant to get the inspector to come back, Inspector Sharaz, mm. uh, but the actor was busy, so he couldn't do that, so they wrote him out of it. But Return of the Fly takes place when Philippe is a fully grown man. So okay. with the best will in the world, that inspector is going to be decrepit by then. Yeah. Because I mean he's quite he's quite old in this, and you're calling him back like like you're, you're looking at someone who's aged maybe what at, at best 10 years, you know, or sort of 12 years older. Yeah. Um, you know, Vince hasn't changed. No problem with that because it's Vincent Price mm. knows how to take care of himself, <laughs> and he's got more money than he knows what to do with. So yeah, he does not want for anything. So yeah, so the story is that um, uh, he's raised Philippe with mm. um, Helene. She dies. Uh, she died of a broken mind um, <laughs> because she's still haunted she, by the fly. She did go insane. She did, and um, so she's dead. And then, um, so Philippe inherits the house and everything else like that. And then he says, right, you've got to tell me what happened to my father. Mm. And he explains it to him. And he's like, right, so does that mean I can get these? Um, uh, we'll go back, get my dad's old equipment. I've got some of his old notes here and everything. He was working on, and again, they keep saying disintegration, reintegration. Uh and um, Vincent Price is at first like, no, don't, I don't want you doing that. 
blah, blah, blah. And uh, basically, Philippe blackmails him by saying, well, like, well, well I'm just going to sell my half of the company then. And uh, yeah, you'll be bought out by some investors and probably, yeah. And so uh, begrudgingly, Vincent Price agrees to fund it as long as he can be there because he mm. doesn't want him to make the same error that his father does. So he's raised this little turd yep. for no reason whatsoever. And then the kid blackmails him. Oh, no, he's try- <laughs> he was trying to get a piece of a lane, wasn't he? Because it's, uh, oh. I loved her, though she loved my brother. Do you know but what that did he's... make me laugh? Yeah, the closing scene of them walking through the bush mm. together, standing next to each other with a little kid. Jennifer literally turned to me and said, they'll be married in a fortnight. <laughs> yeah. At it like knives they were before he was before he was cold. Disgusting. But, yeah, so he's raised him um, and he's essentially a father to him. Um, and, um, yeah... Meanwhile, and this is the part where it gets a bit hazy, I'll be honest. Meanwhile, his lab assistant is actually a guy from England who's on the run from the police in England because he murdered someone. And him and his stockbroker slash underworld contact slash funeral director who (laughs) eats crab feasts in his office... um, there, he said to him, well, look, I'm in on this. So we're talking about a guy who is smart enough to be involved in the project that is teleportation. Yeah. But he's also slightly on the fiddle. So he wants to sell it to like other scientists or anything. It's like, you're probably just digging here, mate. He's throwing money at you. Because <laughs> at this point, this guy's a living like assistant and he's on a salary and everything else like that. And you're like, you are doing well out of this. This is the... St- this is really shooting yourself in the foot by deciding <laughs> to sort of try and rob this experiment. Anyway, and this is the bit that is why Return of the Fly is fantastic. And it's... <laughs> so this guy's in the lab at night. This is the dodgy bloke. He's in the lab at night. An English copper turns up to arrest him. Uh, there's a fight. He kills the English copper. And then because he want, because he has to hide the body because someone's heard a commotion upstairs. So mm-hmm. they've heard two people have a scuffle, right? He then puts the body in the disintegrator reintegrator, mm-hmm. which previously they had used to send an exper- a lab rat through to see how long before they reintegrated it that it would last. So he does that, body vanishes. Everyone comes in and goes, oh, what are you working late? Yeah, I'm just working late. What's that on the floor? No, that's nothing. Don't worry about that. No, it's all good. and <laughs> But he has used the machine. So yeah. in between a scuffle and is everything all right down here, he set off the... <laughs> so, yeah. So, yeah. So they're like, oh, fair enough. Right, we're back, to, we're back off to bed then. So they fuck off to bed. He rebuilds the body to get rid of it. The body comes out with... Rat hands and feet. (laughs) And then then there's the rat with human hands. (laughs) And the bloke. Yeah, and it is great because the bloke sort of like looks at it, tries to tread on it, thinks, oh no, that's horrible. So he just gets a big, like, (laughs) big, like, uh, lump of machinery and just drops it straight on the (laughs) thing. Um, 
and then so there's all this rigmarole going down and then finally Philippe says well I'm not having this now I'm coming back down there and he uh, they have a scuffle so he puts him in the disintegrator reintegrator and then just out of sadistic cruelty because he knows that Philippe has a fear of flies he puts a fly in there with it Mm. and then reintegrates him and they come out and you've got a fly and I tell you what this is where this is definitely where the Simpsons Treehouse of Horror Mm. the fly comes from because you have a fly perfectly with Philippe's little head on it with like still got his like greased down hair and everything and like you know (laughs) he looks he's still got like you know so it's just a human head on a fly Meanwhile, the fly head on the human is much bigger. Mm. <laughs> and also one of those moments where you're just like, I love it when, like, you know, teams collaborate within a production because no one has clearly, from the costume department who made the mask, has spoken to anyone in the props department. So he really has a struggle getting in and out of the, the cabinet. <laughs> because he's got this fly head. So, but but again, he gets the big fly head. He gets the fly claw, but he also gets a fly claw foot, which Ooh. he drags behind him. But then he goes on a kill crazy rampage in his white coat with his big fly head, and um, yeah, it feels a lot more. It's a lot more actiony, and you get a lot more fly for your buck. Yeah. So I think, that, if anything. What which which film did the Misfits sing about? It wasn't the Fly? It was Return of the Fly. That's who they sang about because they know that that's the one. And genuinely, <laughs> I think it's the one that most people's, or certainly in America, people's vision of the Fly is Return of the Fly. Yeah, because it's a lot more. Because this is because the first one's it's kind of almost Frankenstein. You've got the sympathetic monster. Um, whereas this, it's like he can go off and it's a rampaging monster. Uh, he's, kill, he's killing bastards, but he is killing them, mm. you know. And so I think that's. Um, but yeah, Return of the Fly is definitely. If you enjoyed this, Chris, check out Return of the Fly. It's only, it's only an hour and fifteen. It's black mm. and white. Vincent Price is back. He's just as good. Oh, and the character of it, it's not played by the same bloke, but the character of Gaston returns. Mm. You know the like simpleton. Uh, cleaner from the factory <laughs> yeah and and it's and you know vincent is really wonderfully patronizingly dismissive of him <laughs> oh you know i think he may have he may have known too much the poor fellow he's just dedicated to us as a family as, yeah all right mate yeah <laughs> you're exploring the world this day, mate. <laughs> just because it's a work i mean he's a peasant all right <laughs> demarcation mate so <laughs> yeah i think this film has definitely put me back on track i'm i'm sitting here right now thinking do you know what if i have a quiet week this week i am going to see how many films from my vincent price mm. collection i can smash through need to rewatch the tingler again need to rewatch oh, shock um yeah i want to go through the black and white stuff again because that's a uh, mm. The ones I haven't seen so much, like the William Castles and stuff. So, uh, yeah. Well, I think I think it's whenever you go in a Vincent mood, you're either it's either the uh, Poe Corman stuff mm. or 
fives and theatre of blood and stuff like that and yeah i'm much the same i think that that 50s they're all brilliant you know they aren't there isn't there isn't a bum note in them no and yeah they really are worth and uh, you know it's certainly something like the tingler we need to cover just because it's so brilliantly well it's william castle so yeah Oh, again, and it's it's it is the tingler to me is the one when people talk about William Castle and his uh, his crazy antics. Mm. The tingler is the one that always comes to mind for me. Um, yeah, yeah, and I, I, what I wouldn't give for the opportunity to go to a cinema and see that in uh, what was it Shocker Vision or whatever. Shocker Vision, yeah, um, yeah. I'd like even knowing it's coming, I'd still love that. I mean, it'd be amazing. Actually, have you, I, I presume you have seen it. Have you seen Matinee, the Joe Dante film? Uh, no, I don't believe I have. Right. If you're going on that sort of a kick, I highly recommend Matinee. Basically, it's, um, the st- it's like the story of two kids who sort of think that the, they think that the world's ending. It's like set in the 50s. They think the world's ending, so they end up like trapped in this bunker. But um, the main thing about it is John Goodman basically plays William Castle in it, and he's showing his and he's showing his latest film called Mantis, which is basically the fly. It's, nice. it, but instead of you turning to a fly, you've become a giant praying mantis, and it's so it sort of references them and the tingler and the fly. And it's just a real, it's, and it's Joe Dante. So it's just a real, it's like his love letter to uh, all those sort of films. I will be tracking down a copy of that the second we finish this podcast. Yeah. And John, I mean, John Goodman's always great anyway, but he is really good in that because he's Mm. just got the right level of like huckster and sort of stuff like that. And it's, yeah, it's just a great little film. It's not, like I say, I mean, it's kind of, it's like, for want of a better expression, it's one of those coming of age sort of films. Mm. But, um, yeah, just really well done. And from a really good, uh, you know, looking at a really good period of cinema. Awesome. Thank you very much. See, because I always, when I think of William Castle being referenced like that in films, I always go to popcorn. Yes. Very um, similar, yeah. Yeah, and but I love pop, that. Popcorn is a much. popcorn's a proper horror film, though. So, well, yeah. you you know what I mean. It's that's his intention, definitely. So, fantastic. But I think that. Well, I'm, I can I just say I'm really glad you enjoyed it, and I'm really glad it's given you a bit of vim because I I fe- I feel like I've almost been punishing you. Yeah. Uh, for, <laughs> over over the past few few episodes. So oh, it, yeah, it's fine. It's not, and that's the thing. If I sit down to watch a film and I know I'm not going to like it, I'm like, right, I'm not going to enjoy it. I'm not going to appreciate the film, but I am going to take humour from the fact that I don't mm. get on with it. So mm. I do kind of take have a fun aspect of poking fun at it. Um, oh yeah, and I like getting all hot under the collar and annoyed because it, it makes me laugh. Because I don't, you know, obviously, you know, I'm not really upset. It just you know, it comes out that way. Um, I, th- I think the best way of putting it is that it's it's great when it is something as daft as a horror movie, rather than you know you're not you're not doing you know you're not demanding your rights as an incel 
to (laughs) (laughs) it's it's getting hit up about nonsense and i think that that is a very healthy uh way of expressing yeah i I really you know and that is what it is you know if you can get all emotional and kind of yeah over the top about something that you're like i know i don't really care about it and if you went all right simmer down i could just calm down and stop and walk away and i wouldn't (laughs) give it a second thought so it it is fun it is it's it's like a horror film like you allow Mm. those emotions to run riot in a controlled environment where at any point you can just stop and walk away and it's perfectly i'm not it's not like we're arguing about politics or something where i could be seething about it for days Mm. this is Mm. just like you like that film and I think it's a turd. Let's just yeah. shout at each other. Like it's perfectly fine. <laughs> yeah. It's a love it's a lovely way to do it. Certainly <laughs> is, so. Mm. so next week we shall see. Next week is a film. So Adam's second choice to set it yeah. up. Um is a film that I now I definitely don't dislike it, but I do think it's one of those films that everybody goes to as as you know as an absolute classic and i yeah. haven't seen it for a long time but because i've seen it two or three times and never had the urge to go back so in my mind if it was a classic i would have seen it again more frequently but that doesn't necessarily mean i'm going to dislike it so to, so it's going to be fun what for me to be? go back uh, so adam would you like to tell people what we're watching next week well, we are going to watch The Fly. Yes. Uh, from, mm. <laughs> but the uh, Jeffrey Goldblum, uh, David Cronenberg, Gina Davis version of The Fly. Wow. Um, because I do genuinely think that the essence of the two films is the same, if mm. you see what I mean. And I think that, you know, you, you miss Vincent Price, but then I miss Vincent Price in anything. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I could be, I could be sitting there, you know, sitting there. Coronation Street's coming. Do you know? I'd fucking sort this out. Vincent Price, <laughs> if he was running the pub, I'd fucking Quite watch possibly. the shit out of this. This yeah. is garbage. But if Vincent Price was in, he'd elevate it. But there we go. Okay, but, but so, yes, so um, what? You, so you might say you like them both equally. I'm not sure because this is the interesting thing: is I don't think I've watched them as a back to back. Mm, okay. So no. much in the same way as we did with uh, Fright Night. Yes. I suppose you know yeah. where we watched watched the original, and I mean Fright Night and the remake were. Actually, I don't know. They probably are about the same length of time. Because mm. I'm immediately thinking, oh yeah, well it was uh, 1999 yesterday, and it's 2000 a day, and I'm still young, hip, and happening. <laughs> <laughs> I forget that I'm decrepit and it's 2021. <laughs> so, you know, a, a date so far in the future, there weren't even any films that you can't watch anymore because of it. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so you no say we bothered. do we do lose Vincent Price, but we do gain Jeff Goldblum, who I do quite like. That is very true. And it's um, also, I think it's because, um, again, you've we've not covered David Cronenberg. Mm. And I thought it's a perfect opportunity, and um, we'll probably return to him anyway. But I think, yeah, the fly and the fly two sort of, uh, so the fly and the fly fucking two, the fly <laughs> and the fly, and the fly. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. 
No, I and think I think it's probably in that rarest of categories where it's a remake, where it's like no one has a problem with it. If you see what I mean, you know, it's not. Yeah. 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 Definitely. So I don't want to get into it ahead of next week, but yeah, I totally agree. I think I get very hit up about remakes, but this is one mm. of the times when you go, no, this is this is when remakes should be done with mm. with something like this. So. uh yeah, so it is a very good... And I, I totally agree with you as well, doing it as two episodes rather than covering them both for one episode because I think there's enough in, enough in both of them that needs mm. to be addressed. But yeah, if you try to squish it all into an hour on both films, you wouldn't really do them justice. So uh, mm. one, one, One's going to lose eventually because you'll get hooked on one train of thought. Yeah. And one becomes the afterthought in one way. So, yeah. yeah. I think that's probably that's best way. Well, I'm definitely looking forward to this. Yeah. So, just so we're clear, so you've so you've seen the Cronenberg well, fly. Like I say, I, like I I remember seeing trailers for it quite a lot, and mm-hmm. I'm fairly certain I did watch it, but I'm quite probably mixing up the fly and the fly too. Again, this seems to be something that everyone does. Everyone's yeah. waiting for Eric Stoltz to turn up in the fly. And, yeah. <laughs> so what they, what they need to do now is they obviously just need to remake it once again and just call mm. it the fly because that will really help. <laughs> Excellent. Return of the fly part two. Now that would fucking confuse everyone. <laughs> right. So thanks ever so much for listening, everybody. Uh, uh, don't forget to go and check out Not For Everyone podcast uh, don't forget to go and check out uh, Wesley's artwork, uh, he does the artwork for our side project which is the yeah. Moss Eisley Happy Hour hosted by a good friend Adam over there um, Hello. and on that note we shall leave you we will see you next week for the Moss Eisley Happy Hour for Solo and the week after mm. for the David Cronenberg the fly. Thanks very much for listening. Good night. Good night. Night. <laughs>